This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, midweek, Wednesday afternoon, November 8th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Penny saved may be a penny earned, but it may not be the best financial strategy. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, you can help secure your financial future by investing for the long term, inspired by the timeless book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. And uh, I turned 43 years ago, and I have a lot of uh, friends from high school and college who all passed the 40-year-old mark. Some are turning 40 this year. And it's a, it's a good time to kind of take stock of where you are, uh, because 20 years ago, you were graduating from college. 20 years from now, you're preparing to retire. And do you still have all the time in the world, even with 20 years left to go until your 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 ideal retirement date? You know, that's one of those uh, almost impossible questions to answer. I mean, it would have been better to start 20 years ago, but it's better to start now than wait until you're 20 years from now and you're younger, you know, early years of the 60s and are about to retire. So it's uh, – you know, the, the the point when you need to start re- saving for retirement is now, and that it's true for almost every age. So I guess that's how I'd answer your question. And it seems like there is some timeless advice we can apply to people who are concerned about the state of their retirement saving with 20 to 25 years left to go until they get that gold watch and handshake. Well, that's right. Now, you, you, in the intro, you mentioned uh, Malkiel's cl- uh, classic book called A Random Walk Down Wall Street. And the point that he made there, and uh, there were many skeptics early on, including me, but it turns out that he's he's gotten the last laugh. It almost always is the case that people who try to get in and out of the market and guess which way the either the stock or the bond market is going to go end up losing over time relative to somebody who just puts their money in an index fund and uh, holds on for the long term. And so I think that would be the lesson of history to apply for whenever you start. As long as you have, well, let's say about 10 years before you retire. And the reason I say that is that when it's down to only a couple years before you retire, the stock market, as well as the bond market, as we've seen recently, has enough volatility that it could be that uh, you, you're just putting your money in at the, at the very wrong time. So as you get closer to retirement, it's probably a good idea to lessen your exposure to uh, risky assets. Um, but as long as you have 10 or more years to go, I think putting your money in the stock market and doing nothing is probably going to be the strategy that's hardest to beat. We're talking to Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. We do have segments on the show where we do shine a light on individual stocks. And you can play the market if you want to, but you should probably do that with a little extra mad money and not with uh, an essential 
essential savings account, whether it's your retirement or a kid's college fund or just something you would like to use to save money on big purchases down the line? That's, I think, excellent advice. It turns out that what I recommend to clients is that they take the bulk of their assets that they're saving for retirement and put it in one account, create an entirely separate brokerage account with their mad money. Let's say it's only 5 or 10% of their money, such that if they end up losing it all, it's not going to devastate their retirement. And you then, by doing that, have an ongoing scoreboard of how you're doing relative to buying and holding. And there will be years in which you do better than that uh, that portfolio that's just invested in, in, in index funds. But I'm willing to bet you, and the odds from Malkiel's book, as well as numerous other studies over the years, will, will bet that over time your mad money portfolio will far lag the portfolio that's just in index funds. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. And if you want to check this out yourself, the book is called A Random Walk Down Wall Street by Princeton professor Burton Malkiel. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. While saving is wise, oversaving might cost you in missed stock market returns. Joining us to discuss the risks of hoarding cash and ways to put your idle money to work is Carolyn McClanahan, founder of Life Planning Partners in Jacksonville, Florida. Carolyn, thank you for joining us today. And this is a, a, a phrase I hear an awful lot, and that is people are taking stock of how much they bring in over the course of a month, how much they're spending, and then they say, you know, I'm making this amount of money. I used to think it was a lot of money, but I really am living paycheck to paycheck, and they're incorrect because they're, in fact, saving for college. They are saving for retirement. They just don't see that money, and they think they're just barely scraping by. Uh, the other thing is people think they're really saving a lot because their savings account is flush with cash, but even if, if they are saving a lot in a savings account, they could be actually losing ground by not finding ways to make that to, to allow that money to make money. Right, that's exactly right. There's the, the, so first off, thanks for having me. But second off, it's like people. It's great if they are saving and having and feeling like they are living paycheck to paycheck, but still have money going somewhere. So that's that's a good thing for those people. But the people who are just letting it build up in their savings account without any plan for it, that's not so good because some savings accounts, especially at big banks, are paying very little interest. Where right now, if you invest that money in better bank accounts, um, better money market funds or longer term bonds, you can get a lot more interest on that money in the long term. And of course, you want to make sure you're investing some of that in the stock market for future growth. Is that uh, that that is there a little bit of psychology at play? The people who just hoard cash is this uh, the the twenty first century version of uh, stuffing cash in mattresses or a coffee can because you don't trust the bank, or is this also a function of the last twenty years being a very low interest rate environment where you didn't get a whole lot if you put your money in the bank? Well, I think it's actually both. It's like, so before you weren't getting much money on your money, and now people are seeing these great interest rates and whether or not they're taking full advantage of them, um, who knows if they're using big banks. But now that they're seeing great interest, they like seeing that cash grow and they like how much money they're earning on the cash. The problem with that is interest rates go up quickly. They also go down quickly. And before you know it, if we start having a recession, the Fed will start cutting rates and all that money 
money in your savings accounts, it's not going to be earning anything again. That's why it's so important to understand what are your goals for your money. And if you have long-term goals, you need to have a better investment philosophy and create a policy about how you're going to invest that money. We were talking about time horizons in the previous segment about how if 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 you uh, invest over time, let's say 20 years, you will get a definite return on your investment. Uh, how much money generally are you leaving on the table uh, over a 20-year period if you leave your savings at a savings account versus investing it in, in just an S&P index fund? Well, that's the problem is, you know, stocks and uh, stocks are uncertain. And most most stocks over the long term, if you invested in the S&P 500, you're going to get an average 10% return per year. That's over the long term, though. And so you got to make sure you're willing to let your money really sit there. You could have a bad 20 year period where you don't get as much return. So the problem with stocks is they are uncertain, but you can grow your money. Now, if you put all that money into bonds, over the long rate of um, period rate of return, that's about 5%. So you'll make basically double the return putting it in stocks over bonds. The nice thing about bonds, though, it's a little more stable. And with the stocks, though, it's not as stable, but you're going to make a lot more money. It's That's where it's so important for people to understand what are your goals for your money. If you need your money in the short term, you shouldn't be putting it in stocks. But if you have, if you're planning that money for your retirement, you've got time on your side. And so you need to be putting it in the stock market. And then very quickly, Carolyn, if you do have that uh, proverbial mattress or coffee can and you want to, uh, and you do have that 20-year time horizon and you want to make that money work for you, what's some? what's an easy thing you can do right now to address that? Well, I mean, first off, people should maximize their 401ks and their HSAs and their Roth IRAs because that, especially the HSAs and Roth IRAs, it gets to grow tax-free um, forever. With the um, 401ks, you have to pay tax down the road, but do that first. And then if you have money to spare to save, open an individual brokerage account, start knocking it into index funds. Carolyn McClanahan, founder of Life Planning Partners in Jacksonville, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, an exploration of the workplace practice of hot desking. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The flexible workplace trend of hot desking is gaining momentum and is poised to be the future for many offices. Joining us to explain how it works is Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with Robert Half. Michelle, thank you for joining us today. How can we square the trend of hot desking with the failure of WeWork, which seemed to be... uh, the leading the charge in flexible workplaces before the pandemic? Well, I think the difference with um, hot desking is that it typically is within your same company where you might have multiple office locations versus companies that use WeWork as office space. Um, You know, I will say with hot desking, it's allowed a lot of us right now to just give our employees additional flexibility, even though we may be requiring them to be hybrid or on site. And when it comes to an office in the year 2023, soon to be 2024, what is the value in having an office today uh, in practical terms, not in psychological terms or in terms of perks, but the practical use of an office 30 years ago versus today? And I'm guessing one of them would be you had, you had papers to store 30 years ago, and now everything's on your laptop. Right, for sure. You know, I think the practical reasons today is just still involving employee engagement and collaboration. You know, I can tell you when my employees are together in an office, no matter which office it is, whether it's their home office or the office closest to their home, when they're together, we're just better. And the origins of the term hot desking, uh, it sounds like it uh, can trace its uh, its origins back to the U.S. Navy. Yes, <laughs> I read that, that it was more about them sharing bed space. You know, definitely not the case today. But, you know, in cases where we do have offices hybrid, you may find that some will reduce their real estate footprint. And so because of that, you know, as people are working two, three, maybe days in the office, they don't necessarily have to have an office, a desk tied to them five days a week. And so it's purely feasible to have less desk space and share that desk space when you are in office. Are we turning the trend of office space as a perk on its head? I mean, for decades, the big corner office was the ultimate uh, status symbol in, in, in a business. And now it seems like having the, ult- the home office is the ultimate uh, status symbol, that uh, you don't have to come in just for a couple of days, if at all. That's the major perk these days versus having a really primo office. You know, I think the major perk today is having both, is being able to give your employees flexibility to choose from work, to work from home a day or two a week if it works best for their schedule, and to also be in office when it works for their schedule. And I think what we're seeing from a lot of our clients is that they're taking the unused office space today and being much more creative about it, whether it be, you know, open networking space or, you know, a ping pong table or something like that. So that coming into the office is still very much an enjoyable experience. Michelle Reisdorf, Chicago jobs expert with the Robert Half Company in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, why it's best to not retire your credit scores. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Bernie Tafoya. It's crunch time in Illinois in the battle over saving a program that allows public dollars to help pay student tuition in private schools. Aid groups say the situation in Gaza is growing increasingly desperate. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, keeping your credit clean even into retirement. And a new recall involves self-driving vehicles from the General Motors subsidiary Cruise. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 85 points, NASDAQ down 12, the S&P 500 down 4. 53 degrees right now at O'Hare under cloudy skies. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. This week presents the final chance for state lawmakers to act if they want to continue a program that gives more children the opportunity to attend private schools. The details from WBBM's Bernie Tafoya. The Invest in Kids program ends on December 31st. It allows people to donate to a scholarship fund to give children a chance to attend private schools, and the donors get to take a 75% tax credit. Republicans are pushing to have the program extended. Senate GOP leader John Curran. It is abhorrent that there are leaders in the legislature that are ignoring the pleas of these children and these families that are trying to save their educational opportunity, their preferred setting where, that they're excelling in educationally. Meanwhile, seven Illinois members of Congress have urged the state legislature to allow the Invest in Kids program to end when scheduled. They point out religious schools are the largest recipients and that public dollars should not be used to fund religion. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 1059 WBBM. Humanitarian organizations say they are growing increasingly desperate to save lives in Gaza. The details from CBS News correspondent Cammie McCormick. Some ambulances have made it into Gaza to evacuate wounded. But for those left behind, William Schomburg of the International Red Cross says the situation is dire. These are not conditions under which humanitarians can work. Some hospitals in Gaza could run out of fuel within hours. Surgeon Tom Potokar. We're really running out of things now, dressings, particularly for the burns. The staff are getting very worn out. The living conditions are very basic. There's not much food. Red Cross convoys have also come under fire. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry says more than 10,000 Palestinians have died since the war began a month ago. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red this afternoon. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk based in Chicago. Mike, thank you for joining us today. And it seems like the uh, rally that we've had the last couple of days was predicated on the idea that maybe the market was a little bit oversold uh, in the weeks preceding that. And does it look like that possibly we've achieved equilibrium today? Well, good afternoon, Robin. Thanks for having me on. That's basically uh, the story that that I would I would go with for sure. Um, we we've rallied three hundred SSP points in the last seven trading days. So that's a pretty big 7% jump uh, in a short period of time. Uh, there definitely was, uh, the market had gotten over, overly pessimistic. Rates had gotten a little bit exaggerated to the upside. So as rates have come back down, um, the market has rallied. And now we're at a point where Chairman Powell's about to speak uh, this afternoon. Uh, market participants are, are going to watch that very closely and see if he gives any indication in the monetary policy going forward. 
Um, I think that he's going to stand pat for a while, and so we believe that we could get a little bit more rally here. But there's definitely, um, you know, risk of, of him uh, changing his late, late, you know, his his recent dovish uh, comments to uh, back to the uh, more uh, stern moments uh, where he had earlier in the year when he was much more, um, you know, uh, stricter on on raising rates. So we're we're concerned that he will he will come out and, and remind folks that, that uh, rates are still going to go up higher. But we don't really think that that is going to be the, the uh, situation that, that rates have topped. Um, if that's the case, then we will have further rally to go here. We believe that we can get to 46, 4,700, which would be the high on the year um, by the end of the year. Um, but, you know, again, if, if Powell comes out with some, some uh, hawkish comments this afternoon, certainly rates will rise and the, the market will sell off a little bit. That's why we're seeing things kind of just, just kind of hunkering down here after this really nice seven-day rally, waiting for Powell to speak, and then it'll move from there, um, whether it's at the end of the day today or tomorrow morning. I want to ask you very quickly about uh, one story stock for today, and that's Illinois' very own uh, Rivian. The share price slipping 2% despite the fact that it had a pretty decent earnings report. Yeah, it came out with with, uh, good numbers and initially moved to the upside uh, after – they they came out with the report, but once the market opened, it, it sold off a bit. It, it was actually down much more than this, so it's really back to almost even. Um, it, it's a company that it's it, it's it's uh, projecting more units to be sold this year than than they had previously thought, um, but they're still burning through cash, and and they did they did say that their EBITDA would be negative four billion versus four point two billion. I mean that's a little bit of an a better situation, but until investors can see a road to profitability for this company, and that is a very difficult thing to see at this point, I don't see that this company is is a uh, investable uh, opportunity. Uh, the only one that's been able to show us that you can make money in, in EVs is Tesla, and until somebody else does, I think there are, some of these other companies are, are sales, and this is one of them. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. Removing debt from your life before retirement is usually a good idea, but you'll want to retain your credit score. We're joined by Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. You pay off the house when you go into retirement. You have all of your major debts taken care of. Why? How does one retain their credit score under that scenario? I think this is an important point because we often think about young people having trouble establishing credit, but a lot of older people actually let their credit lapse, which is unfortunate. I mean, all these years of good credit behavior could be lost to inactivity. I actually think responsible use of a credit card is probably the best and easiest way to keep your credit in good standing because that doesn't have to cost anything. You know, you're not going to take out a mortgage or a car loan just to build credit, of course, but a credit card is a daily transactional element you could be using anyway. You get a no annual fee card, you pay it off before interest hits. Among other benefits, it keeps your credit active. What is the definition of credit retired? Basically, somebody whose credit has lapsed, you know, that negative info falls off your report after seven years. 
positive info falls off after 10 years. So especially if you haven't been using credit lately, you paid off the mortgage, you paid off the car loan, you're not using credit cards or student loans or any other kind of credit, you can basically go dormant, which has consequences. You know, even if you're not in the market for a loan or line of credit anytime soon, credit can be important for renting an apartment or for getting a cell phone plan or utilities or a lot of insurance providers will check credit scores. It's still important to keep it active. We're talking to Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. How many Americans, especially in, of retirement age, fit into that credit retired category? You know, I don't know a specific number, but I know that overall, I believe it's about a quarter of Americans have no credit whatsoever or such a thin file that they can't generate a, a number. And then about another quarter have bad credit. So basically half either have bad or non-existent credit, which um, is definitely a, a big pain point. Another thing you could do to potentially help with both of those would be to sign up for some of these alternative credit scoring systems, things like Experian Boost or eCredible Lift, things that can pull in non-credit obligations that haven't historically counted, but now can. Things like streaming service payments, utilities, certain rent payments, there's been a movement to get more of this included because it is credit-like in the sense that it shows fiscal responsibility, even if it's not always directly a loan or line of credit. So that's another thing you could do to hopefully boost yourself out of the bad or no credit category. And then very quickly, uh, how do retirees' relationships with credit and credit cards, how have they changed over the decades? Because I would imagine, you know, when the average retiree was someone born in the 20s, they would have a different feeling about debt and debt and, and, and credit cards versus someone who has hit retirement age today, which means they were born in 1958. I think credit has become more important over time. I mean, we just think about how much credit cards, for example, have proliferated in recent years, but also just all the data that's used for this kind of tracking. I mean, it, it's not a cash first economy anymore. I feel like even if you don't think you're in the market for a loan or line of credit, everything's so expensive too. I mean, what if you do want to buy a car with a loan at some point or you know, sometimes older people are helping put their kids or grandkids through college or, you know, you kind of never know what's around the corner. I think that it makes sense to maintain a strong credit score, especially if you spent a long time building it up. At the very least, keep it active with something like a credit card that you pay in full every month. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, GM has a major problem with a car made by its cruise subsidiary. Compounding your interest with an economy of words, this is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. GM's cruise division is recalling about 950 robo-taxis after a collision involving a pedestrian in California. Let's discuss the implications with Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive correspondent based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And if you do go to San Francisco uh, on vacation, up until very recently, you would see the uh, Waymo vehicles, which are powered by Google, and the cruise robo-taxis driving around the streets of San Francisco. And it's a sight to see when, the, when a driverless car on the road, Jeff, the passenger in the back, no one in front. But that's changing now. 
Yeah, the cruise cars have been parked for uh, about a week and a half now because California authorities pulled their license and then Cruz decided to do an operational pause nationwide. You mentioned the pedestrian who was struck. That pedestrian was struck by another vehicle. The cruise vehicle then hit it and dragged that, the, hit that person and then dragged them as the cruise vehicle tried to go to the side of the road, causing further injury. So this software update is going to teach the vehicle to just stop if something like that happens in the future. And is there a possibility that the cruise will be allowed back on the road uh, before too long? That is what General Motors is hoping. Uh, But there have been some allegations that that Cruz has not been forthcoming with information. Maybe they've been rushing this. Maybe they've been going too far. So Cruz hired a law firm to actually look at itself to say, hey, what's going on with the culture here? Because obviously – this is a major incident. I mean, people are struck by cars every day, driven by humans. But when they're struck by a car that's automated, people are going, well, what could be done to prevent this? It is a major money sink so far for GM. It has lost uh, roughly $1.9 billion on cruise between January and September of this year, including a $732 million loss in the third quarter alone. Uh, is GM at a crossroads, so to speak, with cruise? It's, it's, a, it's a money loser so far, and now it, it could potentially uh, cost even more money in lawsuits. Yeah, they're not saying so, but, uh, you know, officially their statement is they are committed to automated vehicles. They feel that it can be a big source of revenue as well as something that makes the road safer. But you also have to take a look at what Ford did a year ago. I mean, this is over a year ago that Ford actually pulled out of trying to make full self-driving vehicles, and they're spending that money on more and more driver assistance systems for existing vehicles, saying that they couldn't see a path to doing this profitably. GM continues to say they do, but, you know, your question, at a crossroads, what are they saying internally? Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can just go to our stream and skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.